Hey team, this is Grant David Collins, and welcome to Basement Philanthropy, a place for people who do not want to wait until they're rich or retired to create meaning, connection, and impact with their money, regardless of the amount. On this episode, we're going to be talking to another micro-philanthropist in the Basement Philanthropy community, Julia Finch, so let's get started. Julia Finch is a people person, period, end of story, game over. Like you put her in a room with a bunch of strangers and they will not be strangers for very long. And I was so excited to have her on the podcast because she was an early supporter of what I was doing here at Basement Philanthropy. And not only was she a supporter in her words, but she supported me with her actions. And she has absolutely been on fire with the good that she has been creating with her money in her sphere of influence. I'm so excited for you to hear her story. And I'm just going to let her introduce herself So let's get into it. Well, I absolutely love connecting with people, right? One-on-one connection. Yeah. And I love asking so many questions. So many people tell me, you ask too many questions. I feel like this is an interview. Okay. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I just want to get to know you. (laughs) Yeah. And and sometimes they're like, I feel like this is uncomfortable for me. I I hate talking about myself, but I'm like, I'm sorry. And so I just love asking lots of questions to people. Um. Another one is that I consider myself very outgoing, uh, very expressive, and pretty extra. Okay. Pretty extra at moments. So you identify as a person that is extra. Yes. With with pride. Got it. With pride. People usually use that as like a negative connotation. Okay. But I take it as a compliment. I'm yeah. like, okay, I'm so sorry. Like, if you can't handle the heat, get out of the kitchen, yeah. you know? Give me some of that extra gum. <laughs> it, it, I'm going to yeah. throw it in my mouth, and I'm going to make some extra happen around this joint. I ex- exactly. I'm going to get some TMJ going. I'm going to be smacking so much, okay? And, and, we asking so many questions. I know. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> asking so many questions, smacking on that extra. And yeah. then the last thing would be I am very passionate about health and fitness, um, not just physically, but mentally and spiritually. Yeah. So I would say – Those are like three things just randomly on the top of my head. So if we were to switch spots right now Mm -hmm. and you could ask me a question, what what would the question be? Okay. If you were your own roommate, what would be the most annoying thing about being having yourself as a roommate? The most annoying thing about having myself as the roommate. I feel like I am the designated roommate mother or grandmother. And so I think being grandmothered by myself would likely not be a great experience for me. <laughs> Do you know how perfect that is? Because my friend Marin and I, we would yeah. actually call you Grandma, Grandma behind your back. Yeah, that's that's my DJ name. Grandma. That is hopping. DJ Grandma. Who, who's not going to get down with DJ Grandma? No, I'm not kidding. I don't know one person. Yeah. So, um, Juliet, we're here to talk about Grandma, first of all. Of course. But outside of that, uh, we've had some conversations about the project that I'm doing, which is why we're in my basement talking about microphilanthropy. Yeah. And why don't you tell me, I'd love to understand a little bit of your background around, like, tell me how giving was 
growing up? Mm-hmm. Like, what did that look like for you, your family, or whatever you want to speak into? Yeah. Okay. I I really like that question because I did live in a household. My parents were very kind and generous. Yeah. However, I grew up in a household where there was so much of a scarce mindset when it came to money. Okay. So it was my dad grew up being a rancher, very, very poor in a family of 12. Yeah. He was doing just fine um, as my dad, you know, in that period of my life. But I always thought we were dirt poor because he was just so had that still that scarce mindset where every penny that you earn, you save. Yeah. You don't waste it. You don't spend it. And Sure, it got me in good spent uh, saving habits, yeah. but it actually um, it developed a lot of anxiety when it came to money. Got it. Where no matter what I spent, even it was even if it was on necessities, I would get severe um, buyer's regret. Interesting. And so that's what held me back from ever wanting to like give my money to even charities or to like even say like, hey, do you want to donate one dollar to the I would be like, no, like I'm saving every penny, yeah. you know, and um, it's hard because I my way of showing love is through charity, like through service and through gifts. Yeah. But I feel like this anxiety around money held me back from showing love to others because I thought. When I start having my big girl job, when I have a lot more money, yeah. it's going to go down. It actually gets worse when you have more money because when you're like, okay, I'm going to be financially like – I'm going to ease down once I hit this much amount in my bank account. And then I hit it and I'm like, okay, I'm not satisfied yet. Like I just – it's a moving target. Yeah. And I knew it was a problem and I was praying to God – a lot of occasions saying, oh my goodness, how can I resolve this money guilt, this anxiety around money? Mm-hmm. It is just, it is really stealing my happiness. And the 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 thought, the answer that came to my mind was give more. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? And it was like, be more generous with your money and give more. And I thought was like, Heavenly Father, you know, I, uh, my goodness, how's this going to help me? Because each time I spend money, I get that shopper's regret. So how would even giving more help that? So you go along and you are having this experience where the more money you get, the the higher you're having or the more you're having totally. anxiety. Totally. And it's funny that that you had this impression that, oh man, well, when I get more money, it's going to solve it. And kind of the funny thing with philanthropy is that's what people say all the time. Oh, when I get X, Y, Z, then I'm going to start giving. When I get to this place in my life, then I'm going to start getting. And then when they get there, the the boundary moves mm-hmm. because it's the not enough or they have these extra expenses that they've taken on or they haven't been intentional around what they actually want to create. And so it just keeps on getting pushed more and more down down the yes. line until, you know, they're rich or retired and then they can maybe give then. But, you know, in a lot of ways, it's almost too late. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So you're you're walking along that line and you're having this anxiety and you you feel this sense of 
man, I need to start giving more. So what happens? Like, how does that start showing up? It was honestly just a very short after that that you told me about philanthropy. Interesting. Wow. That was an answer to my prayers. Because mm. when you brought philanthropy, you, you know, I couldn't even pronounce the word. I never heard it. Right? I was like, true. True. I don't even remember how I pronounced it. But I was like, what the heck is this? Yeah. And you were saying about how like you take a percentage of your income yeah. to making a difference um, to people like giving to people in your realm of influence. Yeah. And I was like, while you were saying it, I was just like getting chills. Yeah. And the thought kept on saying, Julia, this is how you are going to develop charity. Okay. So you, you jump into the course and just for those, for those of you who have no idea what we're talking about with the course, first of all, you can find the link to a free course that I've put out in the podcast description. It's 45 minutes and it basically walks you through a single paycheck, how you can take a percentage of that paycheck and create like a, a project around it. That's basically how it, how it works. And so you, jump into this course you're one of the first ones that jumped into the course and tell me about that experience that yeah. you that you had as you worked through that okay so i was like thinking i'm like okay family friends and i was just you know i was thinking of different ideas in my head but nothing was like really just firing me up okay and then that's when i thought oh, julia the people that you see on the daily daily are your patients for okay. your job yeah and I'm a home health physical therapy assistant. And so I go and travel to patients' homes. I work with geriatrics, meaning they're like 60 and older. Okay. You know? And uh, I, when I thought, do something for those patients, those are the patients that you see on a daily. Yeah. And these are the patients that need love. Interesting. They need love. And so... When I started thinking of them, I was like, okay, let's dive further in, you know? And um, I have noticed with every single one of my patients that they are all lonely. They are all kind of, you know, they can't do what they used to do. These I'm, I'm talking to people who were CEOs and they were veterans in Vietnam yeah. and they were out there like doing so much stuff, running marathons and all this stuff. But now they're in such a place where they can't stand up without a walker or they literally walk 30 feet and they can't breathe just because they're just getting old yeah. and they can't do what they used to. And a lot of them have still the mindset like they are still in their 30s or 40s, but their bodies are, you know, at a different age. And so you just see so much sadness and frustration um, that they are – everything is like – everything that brought them joy and satisfaction in life is, like, you know, like crumbling. Wow. And so they're kind of like, what's my purpose? And they always say, never get old. Never get old. They're like, it's so boring and I'm, yeah. I'm lonely and wow. all this stuff. And so I was like, okay – what can I do to help that in some in some sort in some case, you know? Yeah. And I uh, love hearing them talk about what they used to do and what brought them so much happiness. And I thought, I want to bring some of that happiness back into their lives. Sure, that person can't go and, you know, mow the lawn again or can't plant her garden or 
I don't know, just like go even for a drive. Yeah. What can I do to kind of bring that back? And so it allowed me to get really creative. Give me give me some examples okay. of people. And if you can, can you kind of help us get to know these people? I don't know how much you can share as far as the um, like the details about them. Yeah. But just tell us like a little bit of background okay. about them so we can kind of get to know them a little bit too. Yeah, no. This was one that really just instantly goes into my head um, just because I love this woman so much. But she was about 95, okay? Okay, yeah. And uh, sweetest, sweetest lady, but so lonely. You can just feel it, it around her. She was in an assisted living center, so she wasn't even in her own home anymore. Okay. So she really was just like, am I just here to live just to breathe? Because that's all I can do. Right. Like, yeah, I can walk and do, but she just was kind of, you can sense that there was so much hurt over that smile. And one thing about this woman was she would talk only about her husband and her husband died 20 years ago. Okay. Okay. And she has pictures blow, like blown up of her and her husband in the forties and, oh, they're just so cute. And she just talks as if he's still alive. Wow. Like as if he's so present. She says, I still talk to him every day. And, you know, she gets emotional each time she talks about him. And I had the feeling to ask her, because I was like thinking, okay, I want to do something, but like, it's not like I could bring her husband back to life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I asked her, it was around Mother's Day. And I said, what would your husband do for you on Mother's Day or like birthday or anniversaries? And then she just went back in time and she was like, <laughs> oh, every single anniversary, we would go to the malt shop and share a chocolate root beer float. Oh, She cute. said, oh, so good. And I said, when was the last time that you had one? Yeah. She said, I haven't had one since he was alive. Wow. I was just like- 20 years. 20 years. Yeah. And it was like their anniversary. And she, you can tell that she probably didn't want to because it brought still so yeah. much emotion to it. Sure. Because there's tears in her eyes every time she talks about her husband. And I said, well, golly gee, I'm going to get her a chocolate root beer float. So I went to the store, got you know a pint of chocolate ice cream, got the IBC root beer, even yeah. got like a glass, like fancy like- 50s you know like yeah. bottle and yeah and i put it in a like a cooler and i brought it to her um for our next you know session yeah. pt session and i just said i i would love to you i brought you something i want you to open it and you know she was pulling the things out and she says what's going on you know and i said we are gonna have a chocolate root beer float before we do some exercise and she looks at me and instantly just grabs me and pulls me to her, and she just is crying. Wow. And I actually do documented this, so I'm going to show you the, the video. Mm. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. Now, I think there may be another spoon on the top of that oh, dresser. Yeah, let me go get it. So that's for you. Oh, we're going to share this? Oh, yes. what an honor. Yes. What an honor. We're going to share this. Okay, let's do it. Yeah. But we got her ice cream and she was eating it and she was just talking about the songs that her and her husband would sing together. And it just was like it seemed like it took her song? back to the 1950s dancing with her husband. And just watching her, it filled my soul. It like my, my cup overflowed, you know? And 
it was those moments where I, I was thinking, I will give anything to have this experience again. This is life-changing. Yeah, life-changing yeah. for the individual and life-changing on on your end totally. as well. You know, you may be there to help somebody with their knee and you're like, that's not really what healing is for a lot of these people, right? Spot on. Healing is like getting back the life that they once had. It's not going to be the same thing. It's mm-hmm. not going to look the exact same, but it could they can have bits and pieces of that. And what can they have? And even if it's like, oh, I can move in my walker and I can have some of the experiences that I had that are really going to make me whole, yes. like what you were talking about. Yes. I, it mm. is just, oh, I, you can't, like, it's the best feeling I've ever felt. I'm not kidding. One of the top five best feelings I've ever felt in my life yeah. was just those moments where I, and it made me like saying, okay, like, what next? What what can I do next? Yeah. And you and and because of the course and likely some things that you're doing, you're you're not just going around like racking up credit card debt and no, giving to everybody. Yeah, not at all. You've got some pretty intentional guidelines or For things sure. that you're operating around that allows you to say, Oh yeah, I have this money set aside and so I can I can give. Uh-huh. Exactly. And I have to tell myself too, Julia. This is why you work so hard to earn money is so that you can do this. Yeah, right? It's like, what else are you going to be spending on? Like, do you just want it to sit in your bank account? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent agree. Yeah. It's so easy to get caught up in the rat race of I'm getting this stuff and all of these things. When, like I've told you with my experience, almost everybody I talk to about their career, it's one of the top three for sure is to do something good in the world. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we push it off and we we don't get involved with it until we have more or whatever. But I just love the, the, the examples that you gave in our conversation because they're so s- simple and like less than like 20 bucks. Totally. Like we're not talking like big, big dollar bills here. We're no. talking relatively small amounts of money. Yeah. And, but from your conversations or what you've what you've said sounds like it's big impact yeah that's happening exactly because i almost think uh when i am spending like let's say that 20 bucks on someone i and i get that like thought oh julia really like you should be saving this or you could be spending spending this on something else and i'd be like okay julia what would you be spending this on Mm. when you when you were talking about earlier something that came to my mind uh when we were talking about how the barrier or the the finish line keeps on getting pushed and Mm -hmm. pushed when people get involved with philanthropy earlier the the opposite happens so if they get involved earlier with their money then the opportunity gets exponentially bigger and bigger as they move because the skills that we're talking about philanthropy is a skill set and the skills that we're talking about you develop that skill set over time and so your money goes farther and farther and farther and you're going to get more money over your lifetime you're going to get more as you continue to grow in your career or whatever that looks like and then with that extra money you can use it in a better way and so instead of this finish line getting pushed and pushed you you start and it just exponentially gets bigger and bigger and bigger so true so true that's why when i listen to your podcast about just like 
the the, the science behind yeah. you know philanthropy, yeah. I was like, that's actually right. Yeah, that's actually right because the more I'm giving, the more happy I am, the more excited I am to go and work. And I'm like, give me more patience. Yeah, give me more patience. <laughs> give me more patience. Like, come on, I want to love all these people. Yeah, and I, truly, with more patience, you just naturally get more money. And it's not because I'm like, I I need more money. It's just like. I want to love. Yeah. I just want to go. Yeah. So. And your patients are going to love you more and you're going to have a bigger impact on them. And then they're going to refer more people into the company. And mm -hmm. there's just, there's so many of these pieces that keep, just keeps on rolling exactly. that we just can't even understand until we get involved. Until we do it. Right. Until we get involved with the right. work. The last question that I have for you, Julia, is if, the, if you're talking to someone that's standing on the sidelines of philanthropy, what do you what do you tell them? Mm -hmm. What what do you what do you it, it, maybe advice or maybe just like a, a a stroke of like encouragement? What what is that? Mm, okay, I like that because this is kind of like me revisiting past Julia who was on the sidelines, yes. had the intention, but was like, I'm not ready for this. Yeah. I I don't I don't have the means. I would truly sit myself down and look myself in the eyes and I would just say, like I said, you will never feel ready. Hmm. You will never feel ready. So do it now. Yeah. So, oh, so yeah. Changing that, to abundance. That's that's it. That yes, is it. There we go. That is it. How can I drop this mic? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bring it down. Bring it down. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, team, that's it for me. Let's go out into the world and create good with the money in our pockets together. Talk soon.